fuck yes. Welcome back to the McCarter Gets High podcast, your source for all things plant-based medicine, cannabis, fungi. I'm your host, McCarter. This week, we are talking to my friends, Vince DeMichelle. He is a recent Boulder CU law student grad, which means he's a lawyer right now. But more importantly, Vince is a cannabis law consultant and mainly helps to write license applications and business strategies for new cannabis brands all over the country. It's really cool. In today's conversation, you will learn a little bit about the obstacles that cannabis brands face when trying to get a license in a new state, and some pretty profound personal anecdotes from Vince about why he uses psychedelics to help him mentally to pursue his goals, to get over things he doesn't like. It's a super interesting conversation. I know you're going to love it. Please follow McCarter Gets High podcast on Apple and Spotify and enjoy today's episode. The Hemper Box is the number one premium smoking accessories subscription box and head shop. Discover premium glass, daily essentials, and limited edition smoking accessories delivered discreetly to your door. Be sure to check them out at hemper.co. Vince, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing currently? So what I'm doing currently is a lot of writing of applications and business plans for businesses in different states that have contracted our company to do these things for them. You know, like they came to us and they're either seeking investment, they're trying to get a license, and so they want a business plan put together that'll help them either get more investors or get other people invested in the company, get maybe even use that business plan language for the actual license application because right. a lot of them require a business plan. Um, but let's, can we, sorry, can we yeah, step yeah. back a second? Because mm-hmm. I understand everything you're saying, but I feel like some people listening might not right, understand. Right, right, right. So let's just give an example. Say, um, let's just give Missouri, my home mm-hmm. state. Let's yep. give an example. So, I mean, come in whenever you want, but yeah. Missouri just came onto medical market pretty recently. Yeah. They had a certain amount of licenses yep. to give out to companies yep. that could apply Yes, and say, we want a cannabis license for either uh, growing, processing, retail, or all of the above. Yeah. Yep. So, so say I'm a company and I'm like, okay, I don't know what, but I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right, <laughs> They're right, like, right. I want to do all this stuff, but I don't know how to apply. Yeah. I don't know what to say. I don't know what they need. Yes. How how do I get to the top tier yes. of applicants exactly. in order to obtain this license yes. in the certain state that I'm in? Yep, yep. You nailed it. Yeah, okay. yeah, 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 exactly. Fuck so like yeah. you hire us, you have a way better chance of winning a license, you know? We take people from like zero to one, you know? Like yes. binary scale, like probably having no chance to like having a pretty significant chance of winning one. Okay. Yeah. And I love that you use the word winning. <laughs> but it, it but it is. It's competitive process. You have to win. How these competitive? Licenses. Can you explain how competitive? I mean, very. Like so. How many millions of dollars are at stake? So you like in some. So it differs by state, but in some states, you have to invest at least like ten million dollars into just getting the license set up because. 
because they oh. require vertical licensure. So that's like Florida. And there's like a lot of problems with that program, but Florida requires that applicants be ver totally vertical. So to start anything in Florida, you have to have $10 million, you know? Yeah. And in Missouri, the license process was really competitive. And you have now these people that are multi-state operators like MedMen and Budberry Ugh. that are, and I mean, we've like, you know, worked with these people in the past, mm -hmm. but like these multi-state operators, super good at this competitive licensing process, yes. you know, and are able to put a lot of pressure on new people getting into the in industry. And I say, ugh, because I see them as like the Walmart. Right. The yeah. Walmart of the cannabis industry. Yeah. And, and I say that because they are a corporation. Mm -hmm. They're not family owned and operated. They have like huge major investments. Mm -hmm. And I just feel like, what what do you how do you feel about the integrity of those companies versus I mean it's probably not it's not very high it's it's as probably as high as they need to be you know to be profitable i mean it's a compliance like baseline not necessarily customers it's like customer service in the sense google is customer service you know they give the people what they want not necessarily what is best for the industry or best for the customer ultimately you know right um but Certain states, you know, are trying to combat that with their licensing program. So okay. they'll have social equity applicant, you know, status that Hell gets yeah. you a boost in the licensing process. You know, they'll That's have- That's what I like to hear. They'll have companies that have, to, you know, you have to have a diversity plan or how are you going to hire locally or how are you going to lose local organic vendors, you know? Fuck yes. Yeah. So that was applications I was just working on in California. I do also want to talk about psilocybin. Let's do it. What do you think? I'm a huge tell, fan. Just I'm a huge tell fan. Tell me what you think so of it. So like I'm a I'm a huge fan. Um I'm a big proponent of psychedelics in general. Um, yes. I think, you know, at the core for me, psilocybin like connects us to the earth mm -hmm. and like all the energies of the earth. Whereas like other, you know, psychedelics, maybe like LSD is like the universe, universal scale, ketamine being, you know, maybe even bigger than that. But, uh, yeah. You know, what about DMT? I have not done DMT. So I just did I it. speak to it. It's great. We should do it together. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do some. <laughs> I have it in a vape cartridge with uh, cannabis terpenes okay. in it, but it tastes like mothballs. <laughs> All right. In my opinion. Okay. Well, um, but I probably held, suck it down. I uh, held my nose. Okay. So I couldn't taste it. Couldn't taste mothballs. All right. Um, nice. Yeah. So yeah, I thought DMT was very enjoyable. As nice, well. Yeah, I've heard good things. Um, but psilocybin, big fan, you know, love, love great. mushrooms. Like, when making, did you first experience um, psilocybin? I think freshman year at Tulane, uh, of freshman college. year of college, freshman year of undergrad. Yeah. Um, yeah. New Orleans was a great place to take psychedelics. Kind of done. <laughs> oh, yes. I lo personally love New Orleans. Yeah. Great place. The live oak trees that uh, live down there and like line the streets and are in all oh. the parks are protected. So they don't, you know, the sidewalks will be totally, you know, buckled and destroyed because mm -hmm. of the trees like root system, but they can't mess with the trees to fix it. So you just have these amazing, beautiful trees, but then it's very treacherous kind of to walk around. Yeah. And it's funny because, you know, there's open container servants wasted all the time. So people definitely eat it just like <laughs> on the sidewalks, you know, and get yes. like bad injuries. Um, oh my gosh. But great place to take psychedelics, Audubon Park, a really cool spot, really big fan of the trees there. Um, yeah. And yeah, no, psilocybin definitely came 
as a bigger wave for me though, like later, like I would say like moving out here. Yes. Um, Cause I was definitely way more into LSD at first, like in my psychedelic experience, mm-hmm. definitely did a lot more LSD at Tulane than psilocybin. Mm-hmm. But coming out here. Yeah. I feel like acid and Molly were really big at my college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. really mushrooms until yeah, I no. came out here. And then I was like, well, my first experience with mushrooms was in Amsterdam, where you can buy the truffles. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm good on that. Thank you. So there, I we all bought you know the truffles multiple times mm-hmm. and went to Vondel Park and had the best time. And I had several conversations with trees. And really, I yeah, felt the connection to the earth and just really want to preserve the earth. And I feel like that's what plants want us to do as well. They they all just want to infiltrate. <laughs> I mean, the energies are all definitely connected. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, energy knows no bounds. So it's all there. Yeah. So then what do you think about, you know, the government's control on these substances and the way that they try to limit? I mean, in some cases, it's just absurd, you know? So like, in the 70s, there's a great book on the social history of psychedelics kind of in the West and in America that's called Storming Heaven, LSD and the American Dream Whoa. Um, by Jay Stevens. Highly recommend. I One of my favorite books ever. I got to get that. Um, and it's funny because he writes in a, you know, he tells you a lot of history, but then he also, like, he has clearly done a lot of psychedelics, you know, so he, like, writes in a way that you, he know, you know, you know he's been there. Yeah. And, like, he puts that in the tech. Really cool experience. But, uh. You know, he in, has the wisdom. Yeah, exactly. He's but, wise. Uh, in the seventies, the uh, the you know there was a Senate subcommittee, and I I'm I'm probably gonna mess up some of the details on this, but there was oh, a Senate sure. subcommittee hearing on like the misuse of LSD in America and MDMA, and they this was in California, um, and or this was this was probably uh, earlier sixties, but uh, or later sixties, but. In California, um, they estimated that there were there there were like three hundred and twenty um, like LSD case of misuse. They called it so it was like any time emergency services got called when LSD was involved. So it could have oh. been someone just like on their lawn screaming, you know, or just like laying on their lawn naked or something, you right. know, like whatever it was, Tweaking. like getting called. Yeah, um, and they the guy who presented the report to the Senate subcommittee said that they had to estimate that for every one case reported that there were 10,000 unreported. And so the number was 3.2 million cases of LSD misuse in America that year. And that was the number that was stuck. And then like Tim Leary is quoted at the time saying like he estimated there were probably only 100,000 people in the world who were taking LSD at that time. You know, it was still very young. But there was this ridiculous thing. Oh and so they my. just immediately made it schedule one, you know. And wow. that, that's where it's been ever since. Wow. Yeah. But yeah, I do feel like LSD and MDMA is something that a lot of people are making on their own as well. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's what the, that's the, that's the whole. That's where it's coming from. Industry. That's where it's coming from <laughs> is people taking the risks. And especially with making LSD is like you know, it kind of messes you up. You're, you're dealing with so many doses in such a close proximity. And what if it gets on you? Oh, it, it like, that's the thing. Like these people have like crazy tripping experiences making LSD. They're doing it for like, you know, forwarding the, oh, the spiritual my gosh. consciousness. Yeah, like taking one for the team. Wow. You know? Yeah. 
at least, you know, my friend who knows some uh, um, chemists says they are just, you know, all just kind of idiosyncratic and very weird and, you know, like I've all just done, like, you know, mm-hmm. just being in a room with like a, a crystal, like being broken down can like fuck you up. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And like, these people going to have like functional lives afterwards, just not like in society. <laughs> well, like yeah. they're functioning, but. Yeah. But not in a way that like, not or not, you know, with any contact with like, you know, the, the techno- technological world, you know, in a sense. Mm. Wow. There's like a lot of strands of LSD that are not quite LSD, like M-bomb, 25E, and do you know what I'm talking about? What's like research that? chemicals, yeah. What are we talking about? Uh, research chemicals. So there's like, yeah, 25I, 25E, 2CB, 2CE. What are these? These are just like re- basically <laughs> research chemicals that- That get leaked? People just like that are, take them? Yeah, drugs that people take them, yeah. Yeah. And then sell them on the market, on the illicit market. Yeah. I definitely have accidentally taken some in New Orleans. Like, What was that like? Um, Can you tell it, immediately? It, it, no, no. so they're different in a lot of ways. I mean, like the one main one I think I came in contact with is 25i, at least from what I ex- read and experienced. Sounds like a highway. Like, which was just like, uh, like it, it, made, it made you think you were on your way. To the LSD experience, you know, it yeah. felt like an eternal come up for me. Like I never quite like got You never climax. Yeah. <laughs> this was also a time in my life when I was taking like a lot of psychedelics. Like, okay. So a lot of things, you know, like web mesh together and stuff. So Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Wait, so what did you find out about 25i? 25i is a synthetic hallucinogen that is used in biochemistry research for mapping the brain's usage of the type 2A serotonin receptor. Mm, so it's interesting. It's in neuro research. That's cool. Whoa. And like human, human neuro research. Whoa, not even like rats. Like it was <laughs> created to just like test things about the way your brain works. Let's that's test cool. this shit, man. Well, that's what I love saying about psychedelics is it doesn't change anything about your hardware. Like the, like the structure of your brain it changes the way it works and like the thing, different parts that talk to each other. Different like really synapses. Cool. Yeah. Different communication networks. Wow. Yeah. Anything else? Well, yeah, I'm just, it's going on to say due to its potency and much lower cost than so-called traditional psychedelics, 25i blotters are sometimes misrepresented as or mistaken for LSD blotters. Yes. Even sure. small quantities of 25i can produce a large number of blotters. Yeah. Research chemicals. Yeah. And uh, I definitely knew people who sought them out. I definitely didn't want to seek them out and definitely like, Sometimes would like, you know, just be fine getting it. Because like I was always wanting LSD, mm-hmm. um, you know, but yeah. Why do you think you were so into LSD at the time? Uh, so I just really liked w- what it did to my brain and like way of thinking. And I was, I I saw it as a way to like push my mental fortitude because it like, brought my, you know, emotional experience to the maximums, right? So like things I didn't like were extremely bad and things that I did like were extremely good, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so realizing that if I could be present and 
you know, have the experience and also be maybe in an experience that wasn't something I would enjoy, like being in a crowded bar, like taking two yes. tabs and like going to like the happy hour, mm-hmm. you know, where people are just wasted and like <laughs> trying to have fun, even though that's like not a fun experience, you know, yeah. but like trying to enjoy that and, wow. like, as something that then I could like be more comfortable in any experience moving forward. Wow. You know? It's yeah. like you're doing drug therapy on yourself. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And forcing yourself in these uncomfortable situations to try and get past your like fear of them. Yeah, fear of them or just like displeasure with them, you know, impatience with mm-hmm. them. I, I feel that you, I have so much impatience. That's the biggest thing I lack, I would say, is yeah. patience. yeah. <laughs> The thing, it's crazy. For people, the, especially. The, the only time that I just get like, like that anxiety ever gets me to the point where I'm like feeling physically uncomfortable is like when there's something that we have, like going to a show and like my friends are going slower than I want yes. them to be, you know, like, and it's like, <laughs> I will lose my mind. We gotta go. I'll lose my mind. It's like, can we just? And it's funny because I will literally get there and get out of the car, and it's just like bliss. It's just like we're here. Like yes. it's like I totally like own. But it's like that's you know not a good way to like treat those experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, patience. Got to work on it. Do you have any predictions for the future of the cannabis industry? So it's interesting you ask that because so much is uncertain right now. Oh yeah. So a bunch of states just passed legislation. Really cool. You know, that says cannabis won this 2020 election, right? Yeah, it did. You know, congrats to drugs for winning the war on drugs. (laughs) Yes. Um, (laughs) It's a theme. Yeah, it's a big theme. But, uh, you know, so, but you have the looming threat always of rescheduling of cannabis, right? So what we want is descheduling. We want the federal industry to deschedule it, take it off of the scheduled drug list and allow the states to keep doing what they're doing because that is the industry that knows the industry best, you know, mm-hmm. people that have been operating forever. If you come in and reschedule it, it would change the rules. There would be federal rules that then states would have to comply with. And it would mostly put it in the hands of pharmaceutical companies, no. which we don't really want. Yeah. So, you know, we kind of have this balance because while, you know, Biden has been elected, it seems like Republicans still own the Senate. So we'll see how that balance works out. And then Biden hasn't really been about descheduling. He hasn't really said that. He said he's maybe mentioned rescheduling. So, you know, a lot of uncertainty going forward right now, looking very strong. I mean, there's a lot of promise, but again, just like a ton of uncertainty with a uh, federal okay. legislation. So wow, we'll see. Yeah. Time will tell then. Time will tell. But it's interesting because I think if they do federal legislation, you'll have something similar to prohibition go on. Yeah. You'll just have a black market again. Like a big one now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big illicit market. Yeah. So, and how you how you police that at a federal level, you can't force state officials to, to act for you. So- Really? How the federal agency would police all those state things. Yeah. So yeah. it'd just be a huge mess. Yeah. I think it would be. Um, yeah. But that's politics. Politics, baby. Yeah, politics getting into weed now, you know? It's I mean, I guess crazy. it's been in weed for a while. I mean, Reefer Madness was similar to the LSD thing. It was just scare people. Yeah. You know? All the enough. propaganda. Yeah, exactly. It's just to scare people. What is Reefer Madness? All the propaganda that- So there was a, sh- a film that was made that showed people in the, so in the 20s, I think, or 30s. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was cheaper to make paper out of hemp than it was out of lumber, 
out of timber. And so the lumber companies like made this propaganda film that was showed people smoking weed, it their was eyes like, getting red and their mm-hmm. teeth getting sharp and like jumping out of windows, <laughs> like losing their mind and like killing themselves basically in all these crazy ways. Mm-hmm. And that was what stuck, you know, and that was what, you know, so it was made a the lobbying. legislation push. Yeah, it was a lobbying thing. It was all lobbying. Lobbying and propaganda. Yeah. Fucking government. Yeah, just fear, you know, <laughs> just like so much fear. <sighs> God damn the fear. Yeah. Wow. And you think that, would you say that psychedelics help you, help humans get past their fears? Uh, Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. You know, like big time proponent um, for that, you know, and there's so much that you can read out there about the experience before you get into it, you know? Yeah. Like I did do that. I did a ton of reading just of like both Arrowid experience faults, you know, like E R O W I D. Like, yeah. So just like reading about go to that website. Go to that website. Check it out. Read about how you it's know, one humans, of the nine wonders of the world. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing. And then you know, psychedelic library.org. Also, a lot of like great writings mm. on kind of psychedelics and like you know, both at the science level, at the experience level, and at the kind of like higher intellectual level, conceptual, like what are psychedelics and humanity yeah. kind of getting into. Quantum um, physics. Yeah. <laughs> Quantum <laughs> physics, everything's happening. I mean, you know, wow. the multiverse like is, that's real, you know, like there's so many, yes. it's just, in, that's what infinity is, you know. Thank you. It's, it's you Well, know. that's what another, leads me to one of my questions I love asking people is, uh, do we actually exist? I mean, so there's a couple different ways to view that. I think like one is like, you know, the, that like, I really only know that I'm here or at mm-hmm. least I think I'm here. You know, you guys might not be here. Yep. And like, you can think, you guys are thinking the same thing, you know, like, but. Uh, yep. Um, I've been there. <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, I mean, so, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to say because so, so in the sense of uh, like a simulated reality yep. right so like so like the you know infinite regression theory of simulation so that if a if a technological society wanted to make a simulation to try to like figure out what's going to happen in the future then that society there would have to naturally have made a simulation because they're past this society mm-hmm. that is now create so level 1 is like the real society this one is a simulation and once it travels like it's going to travel to the point of simulation past because that's what they're looking for. They're Whoa. trying to look future. And so then you have this infinite regression of simulations being created all the way down, oh right? My and it's then infinitely unlikely that we're the top layer. Yep. You know? But we could be, but we could also not. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool things about like space in the universe, you know. Fermi's paradox. Like why do we see so much out there but hear so little? Like, what is the, there's so many different reasons, you know, why that might be the case. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, honk if you don't exist. <laughs> honk if you don't exist. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Why do you get high? Why do I get high? I get high because I love being high. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I love, yeah. I feel like I'm just always trying to, like, decondition myself from, what society and things have taught me. Yes. You know, how to be subconsciously or consciously. Yes. And, you know, getting high is always a very quick and easy and lovely way to do that. Gain a new perspective. Yeah, exactly. Start thinking out of your ears instead of through your eyes. You know? I love that. Yeah. 
We we I agree completely. I think it's one of the reasons why yeah. we're great friends. Why, why I'm here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Yeah, it was fun. My first podcast experience. Where can people find you? Find me. On Mm. Instagram? On Instagram, Vinstagramming. Mm-hmm. I put you, I tagged you. Nice, yeah. So you'll be on the story. People, you'll find him on the page. Find me on the page. Thank you so much to The Hemper Box for sponsoring today's episode. If you don't know them, The Hemper Box is a premium smoking accessories subscription box with a $100 value for only $39.99. Discover premium glass, your daily essentials, and limited edition smoking accessories delivered discreetly to your door so your neighbors won't know. Check them out at hemper.co. And now for our stoner story of the day. This story comes to us from Brianne. Thank you so much, Brianne, for writing in. She writes, Hi, this is a story about experimenting with mushrooms as it pertains to being a mom of two boys. What I can say from my own experience and without any hesitation is that tripping on mushrooms before kids and after having kids are two totally different things. Prior to having kids, I was on a quest for exploration, a bigger meaning, and a party. After kids, I was on a quest for peace and acceptance within my own self. Before having kids, my tripping experience was standing at the front door, staring out the peephole for hours, thinking about why the sky is blue. After kids, it's trying to block my brain of the constant every single day, every single second worry that I live, or trying to make some type of meaning of it all. There hasn't been a time after children that I feel comfortable ever doing the amount of mushrooms at one time that I ever did previously. After my second son, I knew something was off with how I was feeling mentally and emotionally. Marijuana was giving me extreme anxiety. Shit, everything was giving me extreme anxiety. Aside from anxiety, I was experiencing extreme depression, intrusive thoughts, and unpredictable mood swings. I knew I needed help, and after consulting my doctor, I set a plan to try Zoloft for three months. I stayed on it for a year and a half. I thanked Zoloft for everything that it did for me, but my brain still needed some recalibrating. SSRIs often have a side effect that are called brain zaps, and my brain was zapping day and night. The painful thing about the zaps is that it can affect you mentally, emotionally, physically, and take such a toll on you on any type of recovery you're working towards. After researching microdosing and talking to some good friends who swore by it, I dove in. On the rarest of all occasions, my husband and I would get a night alone. I'd let my brain wander and break apart while putting the puzzle pieces back together, leaving me feeling extremely accomplished and confident. After the first time tripping while weaning off of Zoloft, my brain zaps completely subsided. I was convinced that was what I needed. Every single time it gets better and better, and I feel more confident in medicating my brain this way. To be honest, each time I trip, I'm left with something I didn't know that I needed, and that is a gift I've never been given from any medication. Quarantine almost in a way helps my comfort level of where I'll let my mind go with tripping. I'm always in a safe, very safe environment and with other people who care for me and know my journey. It also took away lots of life distractions, regardless of how positive or negative that outcome was. In short, I completely encourage the medicinal use of mushrooms for a plethora of reasons. Thank you so much again for this opportunity. I will be forever grateful. 
Thank you so much, Brianne, for writing in and letting us into your life and your day-to-day and how you're using plant-based medicine to feel better and be better. I totally agree with you, Brie, that every time I microdose or trip on psilocybin, I walk away with something that I learned about myself and why I act the way that I do, or just walking away with something that I learned about the world and my reaction to it. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast today, and I hope you tune back in in two weeks' time. Stay high. Stay high.